Now let me just say something. I'm, you, you know what? I am going to briefly touch on Matthew in the sermon uh, and some of what uh, Joshua mentioned. Uh, but uh, that is a, a, a tough scripture. Um, we didn't write it, so uh, we just rejoice in what we have read, and we will see what we can see from that. I think Joshua did a great job explaining some of that to us. I think another important part I would add to it to kind of augment Joshua's, uh, what he said, is that um, really what is happening there is Jesus is irritated by the disciples who are trying to say that there are other, this other person is casting out demons in your name. So the disciples are mad because can't nobody else be casting out no demons in my Jesus' name. Jesus taught me how to cast out demons. Why they're over there casting out demons? And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Worry about yourself. It's better you rip your eye out. He's not talking about the other person. He's talking about the religious folks that's talking about the other folks that's doing good stuff in Jesus' name. And so he's telling the religious folks, rip your eye out first before you go over there trying to tell other folks what they need to be doing and shouldn't be doing in Jesus' name. So before we get all turned up about that scripture, just know that it's about other folks trying to claim Jesus all to themselves and to say that they're the only ones that hold on to truth. Because remember, just a week ago we were talking about, they wanted to know, well, which one is going to be the greatest? And Jesus was like, no, that's not, that's not how this works. And as Joshua said, we still suffer with this problem today now, don't we? You know, oh, you Pentecostal? Oh, well, y'all speak in tongues. Y'all ain't holy. Oh, you Catholic? Oh, y'all sprinkle people. You don't dunk people, so you ain't holy either. I mean, it, we still suffer with this disease of who is right and who is the greatest. So just know that Jesus is saying, worry about yourself. Follow me. There's enough of me to go around for everyone. So I have a few questions about prayer this morning, and I thought about should I have y'all close your eyes or if I should have you leave your eyes open. But I'm going to ask these questions, and I want you to, to be honest. How many of you believe that prayer works? Okay, good. Most, most folks, that's good. How many of you have had prayers answered? Okay, that's good. How many, oh, I need to be looking back here, too. I'm not looking. I, I need to <laughs> pray for the folks behind me. I, how many of you have not had prayers answered? I'm raising my hand. I prayed some stuff, but I haven't had it answered. But the next question, what did you say, Marcus? Oh, yeah, well... Yeah, the lotto is, is not included in that question. Because we all praying for that. Amen. <laughs> I play the same numbers twice a week and it's still, I'm still praying on it anyway. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad that some of those prayers that weren't answered didn't get answered? Amen. You probably heard that song by Garth Brooks, uh, the country singer, where he says, uh, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. 
when we think about praying this morning, I think, you know, what Joshua has brought before us and said in that, in that gospel lesson is something we should think about. And what I want to do is for us to think about prayer in a little bit of a different way today. We, many of us were raised in church. Many of us know about this prayer and this supplication and this petition that we make before God. God, help me with this. God, help heal that. God, uh, restore this relationship. God, move in my church. God, move on behalf of my life. God, increase my income. All of these things in which we are asking God for or prayers of praise where we just say, thank you, God. We're here to worship you. We rejoice in the life that we have. You are glorious. You are magnificent. You are doing awesome and wonderful things in our lives. We know about some of those types of prayers. What I would like to lift up today is that there's some other ways that we need to be thinking about prayers. And as we are thinking about prayers in these other ways, I want to remind you of what happened in the Matthew text. So before you get your wig all twisted by some of the stuff I'm about to say, just remember that Jesus is for all of us and there is no one way to relate and to connect to God. There may be a new way and a new opportunity for you today to see how your prayers can work uh, to develop a new prayer language, to develop a new way of praying and thinking about prayer. Someone has said that prayer is mostly this external thing, that we are praying to this deity, or, or maybe some of us have this idea that it is this God, it is this, it's, it's a white man on a cloud with a long beard, and you, you submit your prayer via, I don't know, prayer mail or snail mail or whatever, and it goes up by the little angels, and God says, oh, I will answer this one, I won't answer that one. Some of us have been raised with this idea that God is a cosmic slot machine. Unfortunately, I don't think that that is the case. I think that prayer works a little bit different than that. That is why some of us said we are grateful for some of the prayers that weren't answered because we were praying against what would be best for us in that case and just so happened maybe we can say God didn't answer the prayer because God already knew, no, 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 that's not what you need. And that the ones that have been answered there have been some that have been answered, and now we're like, God, why did you answer this one? There is even a lesson and an opportunity in the prayer that was answered that you now don't like was answered. You ever buy something, and you get it, and you know you got it, and you're playing around with it, and you're enjoying it. And I think about computers. Compu uh, no, cell phones are that way for me. Get the cell phone, it's nice, you know, Apple and got me all spun up about it. I'm like, yeah, I gotta get it. I can throw it in the pool and I can swim with it and eat with it and drop it in some deep fried and all kind of stuff. And it, it'll, it'll still work. I get all excited and I'm like, ooh, and then they do this shiny little ad, you know, and then it's, you gotta, you just gotta have it. You gotta go get it. Then you get it. And then Apple turns around three months later and says, guess what? We got another one coming out. It's amazing that they can extract thousands of dollars out of one household in one year. But all because we prayed. Now, now some of us, we, we didn't sowed seeds behind trying to get a new cell phone. We didn't sowed seeds and prayed about it and Lord revealed to me how I'm gonna get it and when is my bonus coming, Lord Jesus. I gotta get, I gotta get the cell phone, Lord Jesus. Help, help me get it, Lord. And then you get it 
And then Apple rolls out with something else a few weeks later, and you're like, oh, I can't stand this old phone. It don't take pictures right. It don't do what I want it to do. And I can't iMessage, and my cash app ain't working. And what'd you say you can do with yours? You can get in the water with it. My mind don't do all that. Now, you just sowed seeds and prayed, and you done rubbed all, all up and down and around your house behind the cell phone. Now, you don't want it. I know I'm preaching to myself. I don't need you in the amen corner. That's how this works. If it don't hit me, it ain't going to hit nobody else. Tell the truth, shame the devil. I know what I'm talking about because it's me. Amen. I don't have to lie. I ain't never lied to y'all about it. Pastor got problems too. But we've seen how this prayer thing works for us in some of these simple and practical and silly, expensive ways in some instances. But I want to take us a little bit deeper and a little bit beyond that. There are some studies now that have proved that prayer uh, actually really works. That there is evidence in one scientific study that people in one hospital were praying for certain people that were sick. They didn't necessarily know the people that were sick. It was a double-blind study. And the people that were sick didn't know they were praying for them. The people who were getting prayed for had a better recovery rate and improvement rate than the people that were not getting prayed for. And this one scientific study says, this, is, this just can't be. How is it possible that people who didn't know they were getting prayed for and the people who were praying for people who didn't even know they were praying for had remarkable improved difference over the people who weren't getting prayed for? And so this one scientific study that I just had to stop reading just said, we can only assume that this weird variable is God. Well, I said, well, of course it's God. I don't know who else it would be. <laughs> We can only conclude and assume that it is God. There are other studies that have been conducted that have said people who are struggling with addiction issues or struggling with their temper or their anger, if they will take the time to pray, it actually helps them to recover and to reduce their stress. Prayer works. Because what this scientific study says is it's, it's, how can I put this? It is about having a social connection with God or with someone. So, for example, people who are in a program or probably recovering from alcohol abuse and, or drug abuse know that one of the things that work in the program is actually connecting with your sponsor or a person before you do something you shouldn't do. It is the same thing with prayer. Absent of your sponsor and someone to stop you from doing what you're doing, if there is that moment in which you're about to do something you know you don't want to do, stop and pray. Science, not religion, says it will actually have a better outcome for you if you stop and pray. See, I'm trying to give you facts this morning. I'm not giving you uh, spiritual stuff. I'm giving you facts of what we know from the science. Now we have learned in 2009, I believe this study is from, 
that you can sculpt your brain just as you sculpt your muscles when you go to the gym. Our brains are continuously being sculpted, whether you like it or not, this person says, wittingly or unwittingly. Our brains are being sculpted. This study comes from studying people's mind as they pray and after they have prayed. And what they have discovered is that something happens in your frontal lobe that actually kind of gets very, very intense and it calms down all the other stuff that's going on in your mind. Dr. Cleve, I don't have all the language. You can probably explain it to them in psychological terms later. I don't have it all, but you can explain it. It does something that actually has a wonderful physiological response on your body. Joshua has mentioned this to me. It's called actually neuroplasticity is what happens when you begin to sculpt your mind. Why am I talking about sculpting your mind and prayer? One of the things I want us to get is that God is already for us. God is already working to restore and working to heal and working on our behalf. We think that because we say some prayer, the man up on the cloud decides to move. No, the movement has already been happening. God has already been pushing for life to grow and for healing to break out and for love and for peace and for justice. The problem is we have got to get ourselves in alignment with what God already wants. So what that is about is sculpting your brain. Some of us have always thought that prayer was for God and for the other person. Oh no, baby, prayer is for us. Prayer is about getting us in alignment with what God's will is. Prayer is about getting us to think about what needs to be versus what is. And that is what is required when it comes to sculpting your mind. If you need a new belief system, the best way to get one is to pray. If you are trying to recover from hurt, the best way to recover is to pray. And going back to Joshua's point on this scripture, guess what? Meditation amongst Buddhists, the Zen meditation and the Sikhs and Hindus and all of them, it has the same effect as when we pray to the God on the cloud. So there is something that is mentally happening that aligns us with God's will when we pray. And then beyond that, I would encourage that prayer without action is also worthless. What do I mean by that? You can't pray and ask God for a job and never submit any resumes. You can't pray and say, God, I'm hungry, feed me, and you got a refrigerator full of food, but you don't want to get off the couch and cook. You can't pray, God, get me out of debt, and every time you get $5 of available balance on a credit card, you go use it. You can't pray, God, stop me from going to these places and stop me from hanging out with these people if you answer their phone every time they call. Yes. 
You can't pray, God, send me a better spouse when you can't even be good to yourself. And so prayer in this case is about changing our belief systems, our thoughts, letting God work through us, and then taking action. One of the things that I like to do now, and I know this is going to be kind of borderline prosperity gospel, but just, just hold yourself for a second. I pray. I pray about whatever it is. Pray about it. And then what I try to do after that is to convince myself <laughs> that it's coming to pass. Not to ask again, because it's already been put out there. I need to figure out how I can get my mind in gear with what is already happening. So I don't walk these aisles and pews and say, God, send folks, fill it up, send the eagles, not the chickens. I say, I see it. I see it full. I see people being healed. I see people being whole. I see people's lives being restored. I see families coming in. I see people enjoying a good life and being blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. I see them going out the door happy and ready to enjoy their life. I see them going out that door ready to do justice out in the world. I see them going out that door and changing people's minds about the world and how it exists. I see them going out the door and saving souls in the name of Jesus. That's what I see. I don't beg for it. I see it. No need to keep begging for something that's going to happen. See it, believe it, trust it, and feel it. You know, we, uh, see I'm preaching to myself again, because, uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, my, um, my grandfather would always say, son, you need to take care of your car. You got to take care of your car. You know, I'm young, so I'm thinking, you know, this something goes wrong, I need an oil change, or whatever, I'll call my grandfather, call my daddy, call somebody, somebody else, go fix it other than, other than me. And my grandfather would say, you know, son, you need to check to see if you need an alignment. And I'd say, well, how am I supposed to check to see if I need an alignment? Isn't there a, like a mileage or a something, or shouldn't you just take it in every 3,000 miles, or when I take it in, I mean, I took it in to get the oil changed, and then they, you know, and then I had to fix the tires, and yeah, I know my brakes were down to the rotors, but they fixed that too, so I don't, I don't, what, didn't they do the alignment somewhere in between all of that? And he said, no, you got to constantly check for your alignment. I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, well, you got to sometimes get on the road, on a flat road, a straight road. Make sure nobody else is around. And let the wheel go. <laughs> By myself, alone on the road, and let the wheel go. And sure enough, I tried it the other night. Got on the road. I know it needs an alignment, but I got on the road. I let the wheel go. And what I'm noticing is, over time, the longer you go without an alignment, the harder and the faster the vehicle pulls to one side or another. The faster you can get out of your lane and swerve over into the wrong lane. And, and if you were to just let go of the wheel, your car would not even have control of itself. It would just be all over the place. You see, prayer is the alignment. Prayer is how you get back 
into alignment. You've got to get by yourself in that closet all alone, as they used to say, going in the prayer closet, get by yourself all alone and see where your monkey brain goes. See how far it veers in other folks' lane, it veers in other people's lane and not stay in your lane. Get alone in that prayer closet and see where is your alignment. Are you able to stay on the straight and on the narrow? Or are you a little bit crooked to the left and crooked to the right? You've got to get it back into alignment. And that is what prayer does to affirm what God is doing in your life, to affirm how God is moving in your community, to affirm how God is moving in your church. Get back in alignment with the master. We have indeed thought that God created prayer <laughs> for God's self, when in the end, God created it to get us in alignment. And all God's people said, amen. amen.